the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What is it that governs your life? What is it that governs your life? What is it that stirs you to move? What is it that stirs you to act? What is it that prompts you to believe certain ways and in certain uh, forms on various issues that are out there? What is it that moves you? What moves you passionately to expend your energies towards something? And what is the result of what's going on in our lives? Notice what I didn't ask. I didn't ask you what should govern your life. So that you could have in your mind probably what you know is the correct, wonderful, and right Christian answer. I didn't ask that question. We're going to talk about that. But that's not the question I asked. <coughs> The question that I asked is, what is governing your life? Today, we have a litmus test given to us by blessed St. Paul and a number of the fathers to help us to discern what it is that is governing our life and to push us toward what ought to govern our lives, particularly in these days. Blessed St. Paul taught in Romans chapter 8 as he wrote, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. St. Paul says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now most of us will equate, and rightly so, living from our flesh to mean giving in to the passions, giving in to the temptations that are relentless against us each and every day, surrendering our lives to the vices that do such damage to the soul. Some know them as, for example, the seven deadly vices. And I'll list them for you. The first is pride. And what is pride? The exaltation of self. Making yourself God above God. You determining out of your incredible wisdom, far above God Almighty, you created everything, what the order of things is, and living in the order that you now have established. That is pride, becoming God yourself. Gluttony, overindulgence over anything, not just food, overindulgence of anything, lust, the unbridled sexual passion, and all sexuality outside of the ordained order of God between a man and a woman in holy matrimony. Greed. The sin of desire that no matter how much we accumulate, we're never content. We're always driven to have more. Sloth, spiritual laziness, not tending and caring and, and taking care of the soil of the soul so that the seed of God born in us blooms into his glory and righteousness within us. Wrath, and wrath takes a number of forms. Anger, rage, hatred towards another. Envy, the final of the seven, 
the insatiable desire to have what someone else has obtained in their life, even to the cause of harm to that individual. And truly, all of these are certainly what part of what Paul is describing of living according to the flesh. If we do so, we will die, because if we are governed by any of these, if this is the wind in our sail, then there will be at least damage to the soul, if not death to the soul, by submitting to these. If we submit to these voices, if we submit to the flesh that Christ has put to death and crucified, and if we follow them, then chaos is going to overcome the peace of Christ within our lives. Fears, anxieties, despair are going to be manifest in our soul. Why? Because these things are the fruit of the flesh, the fruit born of the flesh by following it. And St. Paul says, for if you live according to these, if you're governed by these, if we give control to the weaknesses of our flesh, we will die. And I tell you, my friends, that death doesn't wait till our body falls asleep. We will experience death in this life, death to our spirit and death to our souls, and we will negate every unbelievable benefit of the kingdom of God that Christ has wrought for us by all of his finished work that he wants us to enjoy. We will make a blockade so that we can't experience those things now and in this life. And so our Lord asks us once again, what is it that is governing our life? What wind? Are we raising the sail of our soul to, and where is it currently taking us? What fruit is being born from it in our lives? We're to allow the Holy Spirit to show us this. So what is the litmus test that can help us discern whether we are living indeed from the flesh and experiencing the chaos and the harm from it, or whether we are living by the Holy Spirit and experiencing the kingdom of God in our lives? The litmus test is this, to answer this simple question, and I said it already, what fruit is being born in and from our lives? What fruit is being born by what is governing us? St. Paul goes even further in another letter to a different church, to the church of Galatia. In chapter 5, he shows us the fruit born of the flesh and the fruit born of the spirit. Listen to his words. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here's the fruit of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are any of these, and to us, all of us, some will say yes to some of these. Are any of these the fruit of our life? Is there contention? Is there anger? Is there fear? Are we experiencing anxieties? Then the flesh, my friends, we can see, at least at part, is the wind and the sail of our soul. And we need the Holy Spirit's wisdom to dig it out and to make a change so that peace can resume in our soul. But now here, St. Paul talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
He says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. What love? The agape love of God. Our love being perfected. Our love being returned to God in the experience of His love. And our love for one another being expressed and experienced by all. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And joy is not, does not come from mountaintop experiences only. Where things are wonderful in our life. Joy is not happiness. I'll tell you what joy is. You'll find joy when you have true contentment in your soul. When your soul is unmoved by everything going on around you. Whether you are on the peak of the mountain or the depth of the valley of the shadow of death experiencing hell on this earth. You are unmoved because you have the joy of the Lord shared with you. Love, joy, peace. Not peace on earth among men. The peace that Christ has. Peace he gives us. Peace we say every mass. I leave with you. The experience of the peace of Christ is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If this is what you're experiencing in this life, then the litmus test tells you that the wind in your sails is the Holy Spirit himself. And you are enjoying the fruit and the benefits afforded us by Christ in his kingdom. So where are we? What is the fruit being born? I think if we're all honest, we would probably say we've got a mixture of fruit growing on our tree. That's okay. We must be honest. We must be authentic before our Lord. So that our tree comes to only bloom from the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So listen to what beautiful exhortation we get from St. John Chrysostom toward being led by the Holy Spirit in our lives. He taught, note the great honor here. For as believers, we do not merely live in the Spirit. We are led by Him as well. The Spirit is meant to have the same power over us as a pilot over a ship. A charioteer over His horses. And it is not only the body, but the soul also, which is meant to be controlled in that way. Piloted by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit must become both the wind and the rudder of the ship of the soul of every Christian. By wind, it is He that must be the energies of God that are blowing us toward the destination of paradise and healing in Christ. And the Holy Spirit also must be the rudder, for He is the absolute. He is the true direction in this wilderness of suffering that we must have. He is our most true navigator. Now here's St. Cyprian regarding living by the Holy Spirit. He says, if we are the sons of God, if we have already begun to be his temples, if after receiving the Holy Spirit we live in holiness and spiritually, if we have lifted up our eyes, from the earth toward heaven. And if we've raised our hearts. Full of God and Christ. To eternal and divine things. Let us do nothing which is not worthy of God and Christ. As the apostle arouses and urges us. Listen to his call. What is he saying? In this life what must we do no matter what is happening in the world around us. 
We are to lift our eyes up to Christ. We are to lift our hearts, raise our hearts holy and upright before the Lord as an offering that we might see him clearly. My friends, it's the same thing that happened to our blessed Saint Peter. When he and the disciples were in the wind and the waves of the storm, anxious and fearing for their life. And our Lord Jesus Christ comes walking upon that water out to them. And he calls Peter to come out to him. And Peter steps out. And what are we told? When Peter's face was lifted up to Christ. When he had set his heart and his soul and his mind and his very being upon Christ. He became positioned where Christ was positioned. Above every circumstance. And he saw the circumstances from the perspective of Christ. But what happened when blessed St. Peter took his eyes off and looked at the trouble around him? It caused fear to his soul, the fear of death and anxiousness beforehand. What happened? He drowned. He drowned in his fears, not just water. He drowned in his fears. He drowned in his anxiousness. He drowned in his worries and his concern for his own life. I conclude with the, with the father of the reading from Romans by St. Paul, who says again, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Listen to this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out on the Father. St. Paul says a very similar sentiment when he writes to Timothy in his second letter. Listen to his words. You Christians. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. My friends, I tell you right now, because I've spoken with so many of you, there's so much in the world right now that comes at us, and I see it creating fear and anxiousness in many of you. And I understand why, if you look out there at the waves, but it's creating fears in us. Fears of where this godless culture is heading and the impact it might have on our lives. Fears that stem from this incredibly continuing corrupt political climate, wondering how is this going to impact our lives, this brokenness, broken men in broken positions. Fear based on that. Fears of the church being persecuted, perhaps, like it's not now, just not to the depths that the church has seen persecution in years past. My friends, I have to ask you this. What can they do to us? What can this world do to those in the kingdom of God and the ark of salvation? They can throw us in jail. They can martyr us. They can take away our rights, whatever those happen to be. They can do what they will, and like Paul and Silas who were thrown into jail, those who have the wind of the Holy Spirit in their sails, like Paul and Silas, they're singing praises in prison because they are being treated as Christ was treated, and they know that their reward is great in heaven. What is all this fear? We need to get a spiritual handle on it. We need to get a spiritual handle on it. Because fear must not be the wind in the sail of any Christian because you're not going to like where that takes you. We have got to cast our eyes, minds, and hearts back upon our Lord Jesus Christ 
who last time I checked, regardless of anything going on in this world, was still seated, highly exalted on his throne, sovereign above all things, and the lover of mankind. We cast our eyes on him and the Holy Spirit. Be the wind in your sail and tell you what you'll become. You'll become an immovable and unshakable pillar of faith no matter what this world throws upon you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.